Hello, and welcome to Dear Franny, the podcast of uncommon conversations about love. I'm your host, Francesca Hoagie. In this episode, I interview Winter Mitchell Rohrbaugh. Winter is a digital strategist. She's a journalist. She's a podcaster in her own right. She has two decades of experience working in the entertainment industry, and she works with some of the biggest brands and biggest celebrities in the world, including Jennifer Lopez, Steven Tyler, many others. She has great stories about her many years of experience in Hollywood. She's a true insider, and she works with influencers, and she's just really brilliant at what she does, and she's a hilarious person. And this interview is so interesting, and it's kind of a different episode because it's really Winter telling me her love story, and her love story is, it is a story that should not have a happy ending. Like when you hear this story and how she and her husband met and their journey to I Do and the life that they've built for themselves um, today, it's pretty extraordinary. If it was a movie, you'd be like, this is so unrealistic, but it's not a movie, it's real life. So of course, this Hollywood insider has a total Hollywood love story complete with happy ending. And we also get into talking about what it's like for her as a self-proclaimed militant black woman being married to a white man and lots of other things. So this is a really hilarious and entertaining conversation with Winter Mitchell Rohrbaugh. And without further ado, please enjoy. Winter Mitchell Rohrbaugh. Yes. <laughs> you said it perfectly. Okay, good. <laughs> thank you for having me. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Mm-hmm. You are a newlywed. Am I still a newlywed after You're a year? Still, yeah, I think so. Mm, it feels like we've been married for 10 years. <laughs> It really does. We've known each other for seven, so now it'll be eight next year. So it feels like, yeah, it feels like a decade. Yeah. yeah. I love your love story. Do you want to share it yes. with the listeners? Yes, yes. So Alan is my husband, and Alan and I were co-workers. We were co-workers. We didn't even know we were co-workers when we both started working at this company. I think I worked there for maybe two months before he got there, and you know, I, I worked at this company called Spin Media that did digital media management for large scale websites, news sites, news media sites. And I was in charge of the arm that managed celebrity websites. So like I managed like Snooki and the Kardashians and like Real Housewives, those types. And my department was <laughs> messy. It was one of those situations where it was the last time I think before the Me Too era like sort of displayed across the world, just like what women go through in the workplace. I think it was the last place where I felt like I could be myself. And in being myself, it was always very controversial because I don't like when men talk shit and I don't like (laughs) when men try to get in your way. I'm very much like a steamroller that way. And I really cared about what I was doing and I cared about what I was building and I cared about, you know, the team that I had. And this is where it gets really interesting in particular. So I'm working at this company and, you know, I'm always trying to find ways for us to make money. And I, and part of the way to make money was to see what the traffic was like, like what was the traffic like on these sites so we can get better advertising. So one day I finally saw the numbers after demanding them forever. Like the fact that I ran a department and had to demand to see numbers. That's crazy. It's crazy. Well, just the company was shady. (laughs) So I, one day I just turned to my coworker in my office. We shared an office, coworker Jared. And I go, you know, I just need to find out who manages these numbers so I can get the real scoop on like what's going on. And he's like, oh, you should go talk to, there's a woman named Susanna who runs, and she's a lovely friend of ours, and she runs the analytics department and she's down the hall in the big office where everybody's sitting around her. And I was like, okay, and it's one of those open space offices. So we were on an entire floor at like 64, 64 sunset. And I had to walk down the hall and I walk down the hall and I'm pissed, I'm like so annoyed. (laughs) And I walk down the hall and I get to the end of the hall to the office and I look in the window and I go, where is, I go, where's Susanna? Because that was, you know, the boss in charge. And this really cute boy <laughs> looks up at me and goes, oh, she's not here. And I swear on, I will never forget this to the day I die. I swear on everything. We look at each other and it was literally like magic. Oh my God. I looked at him and I was like, um, <laughs> He was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And he's just so cute. He's just green eyes, just like really sweet face, pink cheeks, just like adorable. And 
he, he looks like a combination of like Ryan Gosling and Robert Downey Jr. in like one like dad bod. Uh. I know. And I was just looking at him and I was like, okay. And then I like looked at his hand and he didn't have a ring on. So I was like, okay. And then I was like, uh, everything's fine. And then I went back and I didn't think anything else about it. And then I went back later and he was sitting in front of an office window because it was all open floor plan. And only it was a glass window where they all faced outside to the rest of the office. And his particular section had fog window on it, like a piece of fog tape on it. So to keep him from being distracted. And I remember like standing on the other side of the fogged window part and saying, is this so I don't distract you? (laughs) And he just started smiling at me. And I was just like, wow, he is super cute. (laughs) And then I didn't think anything else about it. And then I just kept running into him, but he was really shy. Mm -hmm. And I, my nature as just like a beast in all things is just to go after something, like go be an apex predator. (laughs) And I just was like noticing that even though I felt that energy when we first met, he was like suddenly hoarding it for himself and like not interacting. And then Mm -hmm. one day I saw him with the ring on. I was like, shit, well, he's married forget that and then somebody then he started coming to my office all of a sudden like out of the blue he always says I just got my courage up and he like started coming to my office and hanging out and talking to me and I would just listen to him talk and I would just like oh my god I would just goo goo eyes listen to him talk and then I remember I was like absent for a few days and Jared I didn't tell Jared my colleague in the office where I was I was just like oh I'm sick and he said Alan kept coming every day and be like is she okay is she sick like what does she need I came back to work and Jared goes I think he has a crush on you and I was like no he's married he's like no I think like he's getting a divorce so we finally started talking he told me that he was you know getting he was separated probably gonna get a divorce and I realized that I didn't want to be in the middle of that yeah because I didn't yeah Yeah. I didn't feel like it was healthy Mm -hmm. and I was like 32 and I was already like I was still doing my thing I wasn't holding on to it and I always I had worked myself into this notion that I never get what I want Mm -hmm. when it comes to men and then now looking back I'm glad the universe is protecting us Mm -hmm. I mean I I look back at all the guys who I wanted so bad and and now I'm like thank you God yes (laughs) you knew so much better than I did (laughs) for so many reasons there's one guy that he's just like one, he just aged terribly. He looks like spoiled milk now. You know what I mean? Like, he looks like spoiled milk. And oh another God. guy that was just, like, a horrible drunk and would never be able to settle down because he he's on this adventurous kick. And this guy was, like, at the time, the love of my life, but just, like, not a real human person. Mm. Like, not a real boy. Like, mm-hmm. just a weird, you know, stretched, grown version of a child. Like just, He was a baby man. He was a baby man. Still is a baby man. I mean, uh-huh. like, he's a baby man. So I... I was like, okay, I'm not going to push this. I'm going to continue to just be his friend and be what a friend is. Okay. I can have a crush on him, but mm-hmm. we're going to be friends. And we, we would talk for hours on the phone. We wow. would go and have dinner. We would not, nothing would ever happen. We'd go to concerts. We so How long did this go on? Honestly, for like four years. <gasps> because, four years. Well, he'll never admit it, but for like at least a year and a half, he was... He's trying to get his family back together. Okay. And he'll say himself, if you sat him down, he'd say it was an ego thing. Mm. Like he's the man and how dare she make the decision to make their marriage not work Mm. and take his son from him. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, he had his own issues in that relationship. So it was very much like an ego thing for him that he had to make it work because he's from the South and that's just what men do. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know those things. I would always sort of like think that those things would happen and then like one time his boss who was a busybody she said (laughs) goes did alan give you roses it was like valentine's day and i was like no he got me cookies and then she was oh never mind and he had gotten his ex-wife roses Uh, so i was like okay i remember just thinking to myself that sucks and i remember like i wouldn't speak to him for a week and he kept coming up to this is like so bad like this was an office romance He, he i wouldn't speak to him for a week and i just would ignore him and then he came into my office and picked me up like dirty dancing style. I was obviously a lot skinnier. And the entire office was like, because we had an open floor plan, the entire office was like, uh, yeah. So this is inappropriate. And, <laughs> you know, he. I eventually left the company. He left the company. We still kept in touch. And then it just started being one of those situations where it was untenable for me because I wanted something more. And he yeah. kept saying, I'm not ready. I mean, that's years. Years. And so wow. finally, I started getting into a relationship in like 
2015 was hell. There was like a six month period from the end of 2015 to beginning of 2016 that was absolute hell, which I will, I am working on developing and talking about that because it, it, it's a story that needs to be told. But like I ended up, you know, 2016 obviously was hell for most 52% of the country. <laughs> and I feel like I was submitting. I was 36. I was like, this is constantly between work and love. I'm constantly finding a situation where I fuck myself over because I want things to go the way I want them to go. And I want things to be successful, but people take advantage and I let them. I was just dealing with like all the ruminations in my head. And I got into this relationship with this 25 year old who was just like, you know, like he was there. And that's the reason why I got there. He was there and he was excited and he liked being around me and he did whatever I asked me do and I would just let it happen. Sometimes you need that. You just need, you, need you just need it to be easy. Yeah. You just need to be with somebody who's just all about you. Yeah. And you just need to have that experience of just feeling cherished and adored and taken care of. And... Even if they're a hot mess, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. He ate SpaghettiOs out of the can. I thought he was the wow. grossest person, but he was the grossest person, but he just like was there and he was sweet and didn't judge me and I guess around November 2016 I got a phone call from Alan who had been on like his own spiritual journey and we hadn't spoken in months Mm. and the first call literally went like hi how are you hi how are you I'm great I'm great I'm seeing someone is him and I go I'm living with someone and then he goes okay and then we there's like a pause and then we're like okay we'll we'll talk to each other later and then like two weeks later he's like well my birthday's coming up and um you know i was wondering if you wanted to go out i was like yes let's go out and do something and i thought let's go see the kanye west concert this is back when i was a fan um (laughs) i would not do that today i wouldn't venture that today and i asked my boyfriend at the time i was like do you want to go see kanye west and he was like no i don't like him and he's probably smarter than i am at this point now (laughs) and so alan and i go and I'm clearly seeing someone, he's seeing someone, and we're at this concert and it's just magic. Again, it's the same kind of magic we always have together. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing all I can, and I and I was respectful of my boyfriend at the time, but I just was like, okay, we had a great night, you know, I'll talk to you soon. This keeps going on for weeks where I'm entertaining him, but I'm not letting him think that anything's gonna happen. Cause I'm actually like really falling for this 25 year old and he to me, and then we get to Valentine's Day, which is so funny because that Valentine's Day where he really hurt my feelings, I always had thought about. And then I get to Valentine's Day and like Valentine's Day is a week after my birthday and Adam got me a card and it was like, whatever. And on the 15th, Alan calls me and he goes, what are you doing and what did you do for Valentine's Day? And I said, I got a card. He's like, okay. He's like, okay, you know, let's go out for dinner. And I was like, sure. He's like, actually scratch that. He's like, let me check my calendar and I'll call you back. So I'm like, okay, God, he's such a weirdo. (laughs) And that's always our dynamic. I'm like, Alan, get it together. Have a plan. Have have a plan plan. when you make the call, Alan. Not when it comes to me, it's never that way because he's always (laughs) measuring expectations and emotions. He knows I'm highly emotional. So he texts me after he hangs up and the text message was like three photos. It was a photo of a boat. It was a photo of a family on a boat. It was a car and it was a house. And he said, which one of these things do you want? And I was like, well, I want all of them, duh. (laughs) And he goes, would you want it with me? And I was like, um, yeah, actually. And he's like, well, do you want to get married? What? Yeah. Okay, I thought I knew your love story. I did not know this. Yeah, he basically was like, and then I called him and I was like, Alan. What? I, I can't. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have to save, save certain parts of it for oh people. Oh my God. Um, Wait, oh my God. And I remember saying, Alan, I had to go outside and talk I mean, had you ever even kissed? Yes! Oh my God, yes! Oh, oh my God, yes! Oh, oh my God! Okay. Oh my God! I'm I, maybe I'm being too PG. Okay. Of course, we'd had sex and we oh, hooked up. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh no, there was a point in the time before that that we before the 2016 and 2015 of all, we'd been intimate multiple times. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh, okay. we spent lots of time together, but okay. we, you know, we were both. It was one of the, it was the first time in my life where I didn't aggressively seek expectation. You know mm. what I mean? Like I I guess my whole life I'd been in majority of my interactions with men have been one night stands. Mm-hmm. Two night stands, three night stands. Mm-hmm. But not like a relationship. I've only been in a relationship before Alan like twice. Okay. And it was maybe a year, 18 months, two, three months, but like on a consistent basis, probably like 
18 months was the longest relationship I had. Okay. And a lot of that is just being like a sexual assault rape survivor. You just sort of, you know, I always thought I would break the mold. I would, instead of being the kind of woman, like my mother's was raped twice and she's very, like, she'll tell you herself, she's very frigid. You know, Mm. sex is not like, she has no sex drive, like Mm -hmm. zero, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I was like, I'm not going to be like that because part of the issue growing up is my mom talking about sexuality was very much like, you know, you have genitals, you have genitalia, you know, you, she taught me all the things you do with it, mm-hmm. clean it, how you clean it, how mm-hmm. you take care of it, how you go see the doctor about it. Mm-hmm. But as far as like, you know, I was reading Demi Moore's memoir recently, and there's a chapter where she talks about, you know, imagine if we had sex ed and they talked about intimacy. Mm, yeah. So instead of talking about like mechanics, mechanics, yeah. and it goes in here or it comes out there. Mm-hmm. It, you talked about like, okay, when you feel yourself, when you're having self-love how does that feel Mm -hmm. and when you're exploring someone else's body what is that like and instead it was like it's basically like mechanics what it does all those things and then shame and that's what we're programmed into and I just really hope one day we can get to a place where we don't talk about sexuality like that anymore I think it's changing I think it's changing. Not in in schools, but in culture. Yes. And in the cultural conversation about sex and and body positivity and pleasure. And pleasure. And like having sex with yourself and exploring that and all of that. So I was always very interested in those things and not in a perverted manner. I just felt like I'm experiencing things and I want these things and everybody keeps telling me it's bad. Yeah. Oh my God. But everybody's doing it. So why can't I feel good about it? And to this day, I have a very positive outlook on sex. Like I'm very sex positive. I'm just into it. Like I like it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it defines me, but I definitely think it's a characteristic of me. Totally. Totally. It's it's the most natural thing in the world. Yes. That's why I don't feel weird about it. You shouldn't. Or smoking weed. It's a natural thing. I know I also smoke weed. I love it. (laughs) I knew I you've been my best friend in my head for a long time. Like, yeah, no, we'd definitely been. Okay, all right, it. okay. I, I missed that part because no. I thought you were just hanging out totally as friends no. with this, this undercurrent of like attraction that you weren't at had, No, really he made addressed. me wait for, I think, from the time we first met to was like a year. Okay. And then it was very much like he was, he said to me, and like maybe a year after that, he was like, Do you know how hard it is to be falling out of love with someone and falling in love with someone at at the the same same time. time. And Mm. I said, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know anything what that's like because I've never experienced it. So you have to tell me. He's like, it's really confusing. Mm -hmm. He's like, it's really confusing. So I was like, okay, obviously going through a lot of shit. And I also felt like, what if this is just one of those things that never happens? Mm -hmm. I'm accustomed to things not going my way. So I'm not even like going to venture into a situation as strong as I feel because our emotions were so strong it was so painful for me i could feel him and he could feel me we talk about it like we were existing our relationship was pure lust and passion and connectiveness on like an astral plane because we could feel each other right when i was got to the point where i couldn't stand not speaking because i'm also very defiant so i wasn't like gonna call him (laughs) he had to call me if he wanted to talk to me yeah he would you know i would wait till the I could pause. I couldn't take it anymore. And right when I thought I was gonna call him, he called me. And it was like we're very stubborn. We're fixed signs. He's a Scorpio. I'm an Aquarius. So we're very stubborn. <laughs> I'm a Scorpio and, too. Oh, so then it's your season. <laughs> Congrats <laughs> for that. But just knowing as a Scorpio, you're a Scorpio woman, and like he's a Scorpio male, and like just his energy and my energy were always just like sort of sitting where we were gonna be. Mm-hmm. And. Um, Okay, he, let's get back to these text yes, messages. Yes, yes, the text messages. Okay, <laughs> I can't so, believe he's like proposed to you via text. Proposing to me via text, like no, no, no. I mean, then he then he ultimately proposed to me in real life. But then <laughs> I remember walking outside and being like, "Are you drunk?" My husband's sober, so I was like, "Are you drunk?" And he was like, "No." He's like, "I'm just." He's like, I'm done. Like, I just don't want to wait anymore. I, he's like, we're best friends. We love each other. We're in love with each other. He's like, it doesn't make any other sense other than to get married. And I was like, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Like, what are we doing? Wow. And I just remember he was like, can you come over? And I said, yes. And I remember the next day I went over and I'm such an asshole. I always feel so bad for Adam, who was my, my boyfriend at the time. I was like, to Adam, I was like, I gotta go see my girlfriend. She's having going through a rough time. I, I need to stay at her house. And you're living with him at the yes. time. Yes! <laughs> I feel so bad. Oh. But it 
it was just like goodness. he understood and ultimately he got it at, at once we worked through all of it and I remember going to see Alan and I remember just being at his house and spending like the entire day we <laughs> were Adam I'm going to see my fiance yeah I'm going to see my fiance <laughs> no but this is what happened he was like I went over there and did that that one night and then he texted me like a day later and was like I have to go on a business trip to New York do you want to get together and I was like well I'm busy it was like Oscar season I was doing a bunch of stuff and I was like no I can't but I want to but I can't then he says okay and then he just sent me a picture of my ring that I have now and I said what is this and he was like it's your engagement ring if you want it you need to come to New York and get it and I was like why do I have to come to New York and get it and he's like because that's where I'll be on business and that's where we can steal the deal and I was like okay so then I like got on a plane and went what? to New York. Yes, because I was like, I wanted to see with him. I wanted to be with him. And we spent three days in New York. And like, it was just like super magical. We were in this hotel room the size of like a literal shoebox the entire time. When he wasn't, at, <laughs> when he wasn't with me, he was at work. And I just remember being like, this is insane. And at the same time being like, this is totally got to be not real. And then it just kept going. And then we just kept going. And then he moved. And then I had to tell Adam, I'm engaged. And he was like, what the fuck? Whoa. And I was like, I'm sorry. I was like, but this is not my ex per se, but he's the love of my life. And we're going to get married. And I, and I have to end this. And I ended it. And it was really uncomfortable oh because he still needed to stay at the house for six weeks. So I spent more time at Alan's house. And then Alan moved in. And then the real shit started because like now we're living together and I was like okay holy shit now we're living together and like he got laid off and I started and like now it was like fully I was in a space where like I am fully now engaged I'm engaged now like I'm engaged to this guy and I, I would have to say like the learning about each other like we learned so much about each other over the years and and the learning about each other really kicked into high gear. Once you were living together Once and you were living engaged. Together engaged. <laughs> I was like, okay. I, mean, I we, bet. We oh still my god. Learn about each other. Yeah. It's, I think it's a, I think it's a lifelong process. I would rather it be a lifelong process than us just being bored about what we think we know about each yeah. other. Well, also you change, right? Like so yeah. if people if you're not changing, if you're not growing, then well, you know. Well, he thinks that, you know, one of the things that was evident in the beginning of a relationship is that I always had his back. Mm-hmm. So if he had a problem or he went to complain about the divorce, the separation or the co-parenting situation, he knew he can come to me mm-hmm. and he knew that I would be have his back. Yeah. Um and I was like, "Babe, I had your back because <laughs> I want it to be with you. <laughs> so yeah. that was an immaturity on my part. Like I'm mature now. So like I'm, and plus I'm your wife now. So I'm like, I'm locked in. So it's different now. Like now I'm going to call you on your shit a little bit more. Yeah. And that's one of our biggest issues is that we, he thinks that we are, I think that he's different than when we first got together and he thinks that I'm different too. And I'm like, we're not different. We started messing with each other. He was 29. I was 32. I'm a couple years old or 31. And you were a young dad I mean his son you know wasn't uh, more than probably a year old when we mm. met oh, wow. you know our, uh, my stepson now is nine mm-hmm. and I said you are a new dad young dad in yeah. California which is like most yeah. men are not I know. 29 in LA daddy, no. not in LA so <laughs> yeah. you don't have like a lot of friends on your level because they are not trying to be with kids they're not they don't hang out with kids they don't hang out with parents they, yeah. they're getting drunk every night and he's sober and it's hard for him and you live at side of the city you live like he literally lived in the border of ventura uh county in la county so i was like you're just yeah not very different very different and i was like right there in the middle of it like going to these parties doing all these things and i think for us to be so different and to connect on so many different things one of the things that we think that I think that we both say like made us super comfortable with each other is the fact that, you know, he's from the South. So he has a lot of, he's a huge Southern upbringing. My grandparents were Southern and they were a huge influence. My great grandparents and my grandparents, huge influence on me. And, you know, at the end of the day, like our value system is that we want family. Mm. We want togetherness. We Mm. want to grow and build. And, you know, that those values at the heart of it were, you know, I am glad our relationship wasn't based on sexuality Mm -hmm. and like always being about sex. Like we were best friends first. Yeah. So it's hard for me to like stay mad at him about anything because he's my best friend. Yeah. You know? Wow. This is like a, 
it's like a twist on when Harry met Sally. Yes, 100%. I always yeah. say that, that we're very much like that because mm-hmm. we went through different phases. I definitely was a different person when I first met him. I was way more loud, obnoxious, didn't care, reckless. And now I'm a little too safe. Mm. And it doesn't make me less fun or interesting, but it's like I'm more determined to like make plans happen and I think part of being like rowdy was like a big thing for him he was super attracted and drawn to that I don't necessarily think that energy is dead I just think that you're still pretty raucous I'm still pretty raucous (laughs) but I'm like okay but I'm someone's wife and I don't need him getting a phone call from the like the the, the desk captain being like yeah we got her in the cell come bail her out I don't need him getting that call I just want to like I want him to feel like no matter what like she was wild and out of control and now she's still has that same energy but without getting us into like trouble yeah oh my god that's a crazy story yeah i can't believe like yeah you went from being friends to being engaged we went from friends to being engaged with no real relationship in in between between, i mean we slept with each other a bunch and we liked each other a lot we loved each other though but we loved each other we would say like i love you yeah and it was on a metaphysical level but it was also like he said to me i don't want anybody to hurt you i don't Mm. want anybody to mess with you like i want to protect you and i feel the same way Mm. to me that's the basis of a healthy marriage you know what i mean like it's not perfect but on a healthy there level. There is no perfection. There is no perfection. Yeah. I genuinely like him as a person. That's awesome. You that's, know? That's, I think people really forget about that. Yeah. Liking people. Like, I, I was just talking about this the other day, maybe on a podcast, so people might have heard me say this, but it's always surprising to me when people are dating someone and yeah. they don't feel good when yes. they're with that person. Like, yes. they don't actually, they feel out of sorts or yes. they feel on edge yes. or they feel like they can't be themselves. Mm-hmm. They can't, but they still want to stay in that relationship yes. and they still, and I'm like, do, how? How do you want to feel in your life? Don't you want to wake up and feel like you're with somebody who you can be yourself and they see you and love you for who you are? And but like, I don't think that anybody's ever really thought about like, what if you chose to deal with yourself and only yourself? Yeah. And that was something that I thought I was doing when I wasn't committing to relationships with men uh, that I would go out and sleep with men that were, I wouldn't say out of my league. I think I'm amazing. You are. Thank you. But I would date, like, I'm, I'm also, like, very, I like good looking men and I would always be seeking out like super hot guys and it it would be no it wouldn't be hard to get them but I didn't want anything more than that because Mm -hmm. I didn't ever want to have to think about beyond the bedroom Mm. that was too much of a conversation you know most of these guys were dumb you know so like most so having a conversation beyond which is why it was so interesting to date a 25 year old he was a 5 foot 4 Jewish boy (laughs) and he was he looked like my son next to me (laughs) And and I was like, well, that's probably why I really wanted Alan. Even when I was in this relationship and I hadn't thought about him that much because I was trying not to, I still thought at the end of the day, this is great because I actually like Adam. He may not be the cutest guy on earth, but he's sweet, nice, loves me and cares about me and protects me. And I said, who else? Well, that's Alan. But Alan, I actually enjoy looking at. (laughs) In addition. In addition to all those things. And that's who I want to be with. And that's just sort of like, it's been the whole thing with us is like, we enjoy being around each other. And when we don't, we don't. But I don't think we can put too much else on our relationship because like I said, no matter what, you get mad at your best friends. and, And it's an exercise for me because if I get mad at someone, my immediate response is to flee. Mm. I don't want to have any conflict. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love conflict, but <laughs> if I care about you, I don't want to have right, conflict. Right, then, then it's just scary. It's scary. So I'm like, yeah. okay, let me, I, I don't want to upset you with how upset I am. So mm-hmm. maybe I just don't talk about it or we just yeah. don't engage in it at all. And that might be a really good strategy for you though. I think just- it's a, better strategy for me than most people. Yeah, just just to let your emotions run that course and then you can calm yes. and then you can come back yes. for when you're in a better place. Yes. Like that's actually, if you know that about yourself, then that's good. I learned that about myself and that's what I have to do with Alan because yeah. I don't want, you know, when I, even when if I'm the most upset at him about anything, none of it is like, get out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Like there has to be like a severe violation. And so far we have not had that. And I don't believe we'll have that because he's one of the most loyal people I've ever met. But I 
have to like take a break. Yeah, that and, communication is what's yeah. key. Just what you know, I'm I'm sort of that way too. Like yeah. when I in the moment when I'm yeah. getting really upset, yeah, I just I tend to shut down. Yeah, because I just need time to process it. It's a very Scorpio thing, and then I can talk about it. Right, and then and I think and my boyfriend he understands that now, but at the beginning when we were like learning each other, figuring each other yeah. out, he's like, "Why aren't you saying anything?" And yeah. I'm like, "Oh, you don't want me to say." Yes, anything. and that's like, how you're a Scorpio. That's how Alan is. You don't. Don't want me to you say really want to let me settle down and that's what I learned about him because immediately you know I'm like I'm like why or this or that and then I said you know what I'm gonna be out of my mind and, and then he'll come out and say something like maybe it's the next day maybe it's two weeks later maybe it's a month later and I'll be like why are you just saying and now I've gotten used to it like one day things just tumble out totally yeah. he's so like and I'm like okay Alan I'm totally like that too it's a Scorpio yeah. thing. I'm like, remember that thing we were talking about yes. a month ago? I'm ready to talk about it. Yes. Like the other day, he came and he said, and by the way, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, did we talk about that like a month ago? And he was like, yes. And then he just walked <laughs> in the room and I was like, okay. All right, Alan. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's funny. So if you, if this was a movie, if your love story was a movie, I'd love it. I'd watch it. But I'd be like, this is so unrealistic. It is unrealistic. There's a many elements about it that are unrealistic. It's, I feel like this is like, which is on my previous podcast, we did an episode about romantic comedies. Yes. And it was basically my co-host and I, we, we each picked three romantic comedies that we felt were realistic. Okay. Like for a romantic comedy. Yeah. Like we felt like there was some, so when Harry Met Sally was one of my picks. Yes. And... Because I think it was very realistic, except for that it worked out in the end. <laughs> except for it worked out in the end. That we know of. Do you think they're still married today? That's a really good question. Um, I would say probably. I feel like they don't have kids and all they don't, do is yeah. walk around New York. <laughs> all they Let do is walk around New York. I think that they, I think that they would probably be married because I think, still be married, because I think they both went through enough. Mm-hmm. That they're like, they don't have that, um, there's something better out there. Maybe right. like the grass is greener kind right. of thing, which, you sh- which I think Plus people for their can... generation, that makes sense. Yeah. That's very much a generational thing. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's very bold when a couple, what would they be now? Probably like 60 something, mid 60s. Yeah. It's very bold for a couple at that age to decide, nope, I don't want to be married anymore. Yeah. I'm done with yeah. this. You kind of just like deal with it. Or, or I think it's the people who didn't know each other really well and weren't best friends. Yeah. Those are the people who are like, I now that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> like a like decade of putting enough. up with your ass and I'm done. Thing yeah. Is, it's like, even though we were best friends, we, I didn't know every single thing about him. Yeah. I didn't know like what his morning routines were like unless we were together and those were altered and different mm-hmm. because I'm not like a morning person. So I'm like, you know, when he gets up to this day, when he gets up for work, I'm like, no, stay with me. I don't want you to go to work. Aww. Like I, I never want him to go. But like, I didn't, like, you know, you put on airs. You put on airs, like, when you're trying to court someone. And for him, I think the... For me to him, I think, you know, I had to expose myself a lot more because I'm very much about presentation. And and the thing that I'm happy about in our marriage is that I don't really have to pretend anymore about things. Mm. And I think that was shocking for him Mm. because I had to come in and put on this. We talk about work being like the central place where we interacted. And every day he saw me being like this badass coming Mm. in, dictating shit, making shit happen. And now he sees like when I wake up in the morning, doubt. When mm-hmm. I'm like come home from the end of the day, doubt. I, mm-hmm. You know, on the weekends, I, after being out in the world for most of the day, I just want to be like curled up right on that spot of the couch and I don't want to do much else. And he always imagined this world where I was like, and I was like, yeah, but that's when I was searching. Yeah. I was searching and seeking and I was, you know, trying to make myself less lonely. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. I was trying to be like, be everything to all these people and it became exhausting. And now I was like, I don't have to search or seek togetherness like that anymore because, well, now I have a family and I have you and I I said, that doesn't mean that I'm now I have to. It's interesting because now it's like a displaced search seek quality. And now I'm looking for something else to fulfill me because that part being fulfilled. Yeah. It's ultimately, yes, my marriage is great and I have a family now, but like now I'm, I'm feeling displaced in the, with my work. Like mm. I feel like 
the path towards getting married and being focused on, you know, getting this house and doing all these things took me off the path of work. And mm-hmm. now, and, and I got married late, like I'm 39, I'll be 40 in February. Yeah. So it wasn't like I wanted to wait. Mm-hmm. I was like, let's just do it. Let's just get right into it, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and why put any more time in between this, this inevitability, like mm-hmm. we are destined to be together. Yeah. And yeah, now I feel like, you know, it, my focus is now on work. Cause it's weird once you like, you're with this person that you love and you want to be with them, but now you just want to like protect all, you do everything you can to protect that. Yeah. Well, I think it's a great position to be in because you have that secure base. Yeah. And now you can like, you can go out, you can be bold, yes. you can try different things because you always know you have that foundation of that relationship and yes. that love to support you. Yes. Because um, I definitely feel that way too, like about my How relationship. How long have you been with your guy? So we've only been together for a year and a half. That's still so, good. Like, so it's not, it's not a super long time, but we also, we have like the opposite oh, scenario wow. because wow. we met on the street. Literally, I was like, we had both been at a screening at Soho House in yeah. West Hollywood. And I lived in West Hollywood at the time. I was walking home. He was with his brother. They were about to call an Uber on the corner. And his brother recognized me from the screening. It was like, oh, hey, how'd you like the movie? Yeah. And then that's how we started talking. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, but because I hadn't seen them in there or anything. But anyway, but our... We had our first date probably like about a week later. Oh wow! And we've been together. We've been together since our first date. Like there was no like, oh hey, should we do this? There's no. That's amazing. It was just literally just like, okay, well, we're together what now. What sign is he? He's a Pisces. Interesting. <laughs> I think that makes perfect sense. So because we went right into the commitment, I think it's definitely accelerated the like that confidence that like oh yeah we're just like we're just doing this like it's yeah you, it's you and me like there's no there's no ambiguity there right right and right. so so having taking all that ambiguity out of because it's the only relationship i've ever been in where there was no ambiguity yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you know yeah and it's like it's like it's so freeing because it's like oh i just realized how much of my emotional and mental yes. energy i was actually expending yes. trying to find this partnership and then it's like, oh, now that it's here, it's like, oh, I feel so much freer exactly. now. <laughs> like now I can go out into exactly. the world and do all these other things. So Ambigu- ambiguity is like the relationship killer. Yeah, I never, totally. I never questioned. Even when he was in the depths of struggling with his sobriety and the, the, the dissolution of his marriage, like his first marriage, he always said to me, because I would be like asking him like, you know, in the course of trying to figure out like why we aren't just boyfriend and girlfriend, he'd be. I was like, is it me? He'd be like, no. I'd be like, is it? Do you want to be with your first wife? He's like, well, no. <laughs> and then he, I'd be like, well, do you just not want to be in a relationship? He's like, no, that's not it either. And and he's and he would always be like, nothing I feel about you has changed. Nothing I feel about you is different. Has changed. It's this isn't about you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about him. He was like, the way I feel about you has not changed. She would say that to me. Five times a year, nothing yeah. about I felt about you has changed. Yeah. And I just thought that was the sweetest thing that because <laughs> the last thing you want to hear from a guy is he would never say no. He would never say da da da. He would always say the right thing. Mm, mm-hmm. And his emotional, like as much as I get on his case about his EQ, which I do think is needs help sometimes, <laughs> uh, the, his handling of me before we decided to do all of this stuff was more than I can ask for Mm, because mm -hmm. men who are just honest it's sexier than anything It's so else. sexy. Yeah. God, it's so sexy. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, got, I hope that there are some men listening to this taking note. <laughs> I really do, too, because it's sexy when you're honest. Yeah. I've had a man. I mean, I don't think it's sexy in this other guy's case, but I respected him. This guy I dated like years ago that we're, we're still friends, but he said to me, you know, I think we're better as friends. And I think that our relationship is more interesting as friends. I don't think that we work as boyfriend and girlfriend. And I respected him. Mm -hmm. I was sad because I felt rejected, but I, no, only two men in my life have been honest like that. Uh, that's, that honesty is amazing. The world would be such a different place if people oh could just. Oh my God. It's, and that's one reason why, you know, when when someone is talking like, oh, I need closure. I'm trying to talk to my yes, ex and get closure. Yes. It's like, you can't seek that out because mm-hmm. first of all, you that requires them actually knowing why. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and knowing their own truth. And that is a big if. Like That's a big that's if. That's a big if. But when someone knows 
like really knows their truth and they can tell you that. Yeah. That's so powerful. It's so powerful. And I just felt like Alan, you know, even in seeking all of these answers for his own life, the way he handled that for me, with me, it made a difference. It made me want to linger, even in the course of not knowing where it was going, even mm. make, even when I was still seeing other people mm-hmm. and going and seeking out relationships. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I knew in the back of my head that this would ever come to fruition. I'm the kind of girl, my mom says, you have to have four burners going. <laughs> she said, you, have to, you got the main burner and you got the other burner, three burners back oh there doing their God. thing. You them as needed. Well, you, you took that advice. I took that advice. And I had to, you know, the main That's burner, so poor guy. Yeah. Like I had to be like, oh, I'm just throw the whole thing out. Oh my gosh, That's so little, funny. No more burners because it's all about yeah. Alan. I I've mean, never done that. It's, you don't have to do it right now, thank God. Yeah. But I mean, I'd never done it either. And I had, it was, it's interesting because I always tell my mom that she gives the worst advice about relationships um, because she's only been married to my dad for like 43 years. Mm-hmm. And she is, you know, only had like two boyfriends before that. So I was, and I was like, and you got married in the seventies and were like coming of age before the women's revolution, mm-hmm. sexual revolution. So I was like, what do you even know? And <laughs> but then that was of course taking her advice is what led me to that. If I yeah. if I'd spent all this time obsessing over Alan the way that I would have done with somebody in the past. Oh yeah, that would have been bad. It would have been bad. It would have been and so I bad. I never yeah. gave him more than he deserved. Like sometimes I would just drive to his house, which was 30 miles, 40 miles from my house at the time, and show up unannounced. And he would just be baffled. <laughs> and I'd be like, I just came to say hi because I wanted to say hi and nothing would even happen. We'd spend the whole night talking. And it was just like, I just needed to see my friend. Mm-hmm. And I would come with no expectations. Mm-hmm. And I would just sit there and we would just look at each other and I would just be like, you know, and, and, and sometimes we'd have intimacy and then sometimes we wouldn't. And then it, it was never one or the other, which is not how I treated relationships before. Most relationships were like, I'm just coming over to have a booty call. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the case situation here. I just wanted to see my friend. Wow. You oh know? So what is your advice for like what your, so your mom had the burner advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's your, so I'm sure you have single friends. I do. And it's so interesting because I, you know, they always go, I hate when people say, God, I got to get like your situation. You like made it happen. And I was like, no, we made it happen. Mm. And I said, this is, don't ever try to seek a relationship like you see other people have. That's good advice. Yeah, don't, (laughs) because everything is designed for yourselves. Like Mm -hmm. different relationships work out for people differently. So like, I think don't ever look to somebody to be like, I hate the term relationship goals. You don't know what people are going through. That that is the truest thing. And I, I can't, it's actually shocking to me how many people who are, they're so smart. Yeah. And they're so aware but they still get caught up they still see a picture on Instagram or Facebook and they still think that that is the representation it's not of like and I'm just like you like stop you know why because (laughs) we I'll blame I'll tell you what the blame is Whenever they, ever since they started putting couples' names together. Yeah, Benifer, that was the first Benifer, one, right? Benifer, or Brangelina. <laughs> ever since they started doing that, you started like thinking that people walk around like operating as like one unit. Mm. And I'm very much still an individual. Right. And I Me very, too. yeah, you know what I mean? Like, and I very much am still like, you know, I'm on a path of togetherness with my husband and my family, and then I'm on a path, um, I'm still doing my path. And mm-hmm. my path is actually harder than the marital path mm-hmm. because I'm always gonna be an individual and I have to fight for that individuality. You know, my husband is super traditional. So, you know, the only thing that he's not traditional about is the fact that I'm the breadwinner. He, you know, the expectation maybe in the 80s is that my husband with his corporate job being in charge of people would make more money than me, but I, you know, sought a different path that's more lucrative mm-hmm. and so that alters the gender dynamics a <laughs> totally, little bit because totally. it's like for me I'll tell you where our biggest conflict is and that's why I feel like relationship goals are stupid our biggest conflict is like my expectations for what he should be responsible for in the household mm. comes completely because I make the most money so it's like I don't <laughs> have to wash dishes because guess what <laughs> I, you know, run this place right. and he, and then it makes him feel like, you know, oh, okay. I kind of feel like 
a piece of shit or like emasculated emasculated so I have to like we have to like we're continuously like trying to weave through those gender roles because I don't want him to feel emasculated I want him to feel empowered but Mm. I also don't want him to think that you know I'm gonna make the money and clean the the house house and and do the like yeah I'm not gonna do it all I'm not gonna do it all and he doesn't Mm -hmm. for the most part but it's like you know those are sort of like the dynamics that we are working through which I think we're doing a pretty good job of. Um, And so many, so many people, so many couples, so many women are are working on that now. And I think it's great. And I think it's like, it's good to have those conversations because there are so many women who are so progressive in so many ways, but they still cling to a very old fashioned. Yes. Um, dynamic in terms of that sort of thing. You yeah. Know, this man's got to make up more money than me and all this. And I, I like, I remember literally like I had this client and she made like $450,000 a year, oh, wow. you know? And she was like, yeah, I just need to be with someone who makes more money than I do. And I was like, well, let's talk about why. Yeah. Because j- you have, you make more money <laughs> than a lot than of people. A lot of people. So yeah. like, let's talk about why that's important, you know? Yeah. And she's like, well, I don't want somebody who's going to take advantage of me or whatever. I was like, okay, so yeah. you, you want somebody who's not going to take advantage of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just is, say that. Like say that rather than the, he has to make more money than you because. He can still make more money than you and take advantage but exactly, of you. Exactly. 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 And, and, and that's the thing is like my, the amount, I don't, I let him do the things that he wants to do to fix things, you know, make uh, big decisions on our behalf, you know, make choices that I don't feel like dealing with, pay the bills, do all those things. I let him do all those things. I don't get in his way about it. I don't get fussy about it because I know I'm not good at those things. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, go and make those for the family. Like, go and do it. Like, obviously consult with me, but like, go and, you know, make those decisions. I will listen to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I, relationship goals. My, I guess my advice is like, stop thinking that because what you see on television, I think we're a little bit getting out of that. Like, it remember it used to be like a really big thing and it's not. And I feel like the, one of the best examples of that is looking at Jennifer Aniston and how she conducts her life. Mm. Like, that man whom I love I do love Brad Pitt but you know they I do love them but we don't know what the intricacies of the relationship but the fact that we looked at them him and her as like this golden couple of Mm -hmm. Hollywood Mm -hmm. their marriage fell apart he married whom he thought was maybe his real true love of his life Mm -hmm. they go and have all these kids and we are just going to assume that their lives have fallen into place and we'll never find true love and she's taken her life as it has come to her and yes, I know these people are very wealthy and rich, but I'm not surprised that Brad and Angelina are like wallowing in their own personal misery because they're just not living in their truth. Mm. You are not always going to have every single day of my and Alan's lives are not like amazing. Mm-hmm. There are days when I want to murder him. There are days when he <laughs> wants to murder me. But we love each other right. and we love the journey. Mm-hmm. And it's about the journey, like our goals together and apart. Like we still have, there are things he likes to do. I don't, things I like to do, he does not. Friends he has, I hate. Friends of mine he's not fans of. Yeah. We have to still have individual lifestyles and come together on the stuff that matters. Yeah. Hashtag relationship journey. Relationship journey. Yeah. Yeah. I talk about it as like co-creating, you know, because it's like, it's not, you're you're not just going to walk into something that's like perfectly everything you ever wanted it to be. And it's magical and it's a happy fairy tale ending. It's like, no, no, no. That's a co, you have to co-create the relationship you want, which means- it's active, like it's yeah. active, yeah, it's, it's active. <laughs> on, bo- on both of your parts, yeah. which is why when you are with somebody who's not actively investing and in doing that and putting that work in, that's not, you're, you're not going to have a happy relationship. You're not going to have a happy relationship. And people yeah. who keep secrets and people who do like shady stuff, not only to you, but to themselves is not healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think we just have to always, you know, we have this thing where like every few months I will, he knows I'm very loquacious. I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> Um, and he's not a big like sit down and have like a five hour cry fest about it but we will you know I'll write him a letter and say these are how how I'm feeling right now these Mm. are the things I need to happen and he being analytical and being like you know the way he is he takes action items from that and says okay I need to focus on these things to make you happy or to make us happy or to make me happy and I'm like great you take action items. I write wow. these long, <laughs> languid, emotional, emotional like, <laughs> testimonies. And he's like, action. 
action items, checklist, punch list. <laughs> right, and I'm right. like, whatever it takes. Yeah. As long as it makes it gets into your brain. Yeah. Oh my god, I love that. That's amazing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. I hope okay. this is important. I hope this, this is, is no. This is fantastic. Okay, this is good. so good. I'm and I really appreciate you being so transparent and like you know sharing all of this because good. this is personal. But this is amazing. We didn't even talk about the fact that we're different races and how that plays. Into I mean, it. I kind of I was I I kind of wanted to ask. I kind of wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. because you know, Please. as a as a black woman who is married to a to a white man, yeah. obviously people have opinions about that. Yes. And how do you how, what what how has that been for you? It's interesting because I didn't think anything. Obviously, I didn't think anything of it. The fact of the matter is, I've I've I don't know why I've always been attracted to white men. It started to bother me, like maybe like right before I met Alan actually it started to bother me because I was thinking to myself shit man like I don't know how I'm going to reconcile my militancy like being militant because <laughs> you are pretty militant yes and being with a white dude he said, but I'd been left out like I'd always been sort of well at least so I thought I found out things about the men that I've been with in the past lately just from like things I've heard from other people like some men I've heard have become like Trump voters or were Trump supporters whatever and I don't care I was never trying to like do anything but sleep with them <laughs> so I don't care but like I thought to myself maybe around 2012 right around the time like when I it's interesting because I had a, an initial crush on Alan but I also had a crush on another Alan at work he was black okay and he just rejected me so hard oh interesting he rejected me so hard um. and that's when I was like and that's you just reminded me of something in this conversation I remember like white Alan caught wind that black Alan had taken me out on a date and white Alan like came and whispered in my ear and he was like this is really when it started heating up and he was like he was like he don't even know how to handle you he he has no idea I can tell and I was like oh my god but like I just felt like black men had never ever seemed interested in me on a deeper level on like a deeper connection type level mm -hmm. and I think it's because they think that I am I think for the most part it's weird my relationship with black men because my father's my best best friend mm -hmm. and my father is a, one of the best representations of black men especially from his generation my dad is I can talk to my dad about anything he was a provider he was good he is a good husband he's a good provider good amazing father to mm -hmm. my sister and I so I couldn't understand like why am I not attracted to black men mm -hmm. and then I thought to myself when I was going through this whole ex exercise in the beginning with Alan I was like shit you know I ended up being with him this is going to be great because you know we are so into each other and, and and we both feel the same way about things on you know when it comes to racial equality and all those all those other things but then Trump got voted into office <laughs> and we never talked because we were so caught up in the throes of marriage and engagement and like planning of the wedding and everything. We never really talked about political, you know, like affiliations, like where we, we sat on things. I know he voted for Hillary, but we never talked about him. And then it wasn't until we got married that my husband could feel felt comfortable talking to me about being a moderate conservative. And I was like, okay, you're so you're progressive. You know, he kept saying his parents are progressive. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, what does that mean? What does that him? mean? Yeah. You're mm -hmm. progressive in what way? You know, progressive for white people to me is like, would I let a black person cross my threshold and and, <laughs> and ask them questions before I shot them? Or versus like shooting them just right on sight because they walk across the street. That to me is what the, there is no, I'm so serious like mm -hmm. I don't know what that means everybody yeah. has different definitions for what that is mm -hmm. and then you know one of the biggest things that has been hard for him which I feel zero pity for is that he feels ever since Trump got into office that he's been prejudged and that he is not able to say the things that he feels because he doesn't want to offend somebody mm. by using the wrong pronoun or by doing this, that, and the other when it comes to like jokes and stuff like that. And I was like, and I had to tell him, I was like, babe, you know, and he's pretty conscious on for the most part, but there's always with white people still that part. <laughs> and I hate, and he gets mad when I say that, but yeah. I was like, babe, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter you know, for some people that your wife is black. 
There are people that are racist as fuck and still married to black women, sleep with black women. I know, which is so weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. And and I'm like, I know that you aren't like that, but there is always going to be a part of you that has white privilege. Mm -hmm. And And I will tell you the thing that has been most interesting more than that, because we get past all that. We talk about our issues. We talk about the things that anger each other. I l- allow him to say his piece. He lets me have my the floor when I need to. But I think what's more interesting is that I feel protective of my blackness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Overprotective of it. Mm-hmm. I feel like his white joy annoys me sometimes. Mm. And I noticed it over the summer. Like... <laughs> I noticed it over the summer because I felt like he has space to be, you know, I, I, I've seen more than anything what he's a, he can get away with mm-hmm. that I could never get away with. Yeah. The things that he can, he's not actively trying to get away with something. That's just all he's he knows. Yeah. One case in particular is like we went to Hawaii and it's like annoying, like to even be complaining about this, but like he can <laughs> jump in the ocean and all I'm thinking about are sharks, drowning, hair. Like, you know, you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, he has so much fucking freedom. I hate it. And then the, yeah. the, that's one thing. It's so true. <laughs> it is true. The other thing was like, you know, when you rent a car, you know how when they make you rent a car, you got to sign up for all the insurance, even mm-hmm. though nothing will happen. Mm-hmm. But they always say like, if you take out a full tank, you bring back a full tank. Mm-hmm. He brought back like a quarter tank. And I said, babe, you got to like fill that tank up because they're going to charge my card and blah, blah. He's like, no, they won't. Blah. They didn't even do it. <laughs> it was like they didn't check the car. They didn't look around it. They really? No. And they <laughs> with me, one time I got like literally, I would say like my thumb to my t- my fingernail a scratch and they wanted to charge me $700 for it. <laughs> and I was like, that's not even a real thing. Oh and my, God. my husband brings his car back, drives over the mileage, brings it with the quarter tank. They don't even think of anything about it. And like, see, people will say like, what are you saying? But that's a microaggression. Yeah. It's the it's so trust. Interesting. It's so interesting. My partner is also white. Mm-hmm. And um, though he's not American, which I think- Where is he from? He's from Australia. Yeah, it's different. It's a little bit different. but And it's actually interesting because in Australia, they have this thing. The Aboriginal. Like they Aboriginal, have the, the. No, go ahead. Sorry. Well, well, they have that, but also just culturally in Australia, yeah. like it's this thing you have to be like really humble and you can't stand out too much and you can't whatever. And so it's like interesting because like within our relationship, I'm the one who's really entitled. Oh, wow. <laughs> interesting. Because and, you're American. Because I'm American. And yes. it's so funny. And it's like, and I actually, because even like recently, I accidentally called someone in Iceland. Like, I thought she was in Canada. And so I called this number. I thought it was Canada, which yeah. is like part of my data plan. Yeah. But I like had this 45 minute conversation with someone in Iceland. And I was like, and I was like, oh, shit. I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll just call AT&T and I'll just yeah. get them to take it off the bill. Yeah. And he was like, why would they do that? And I was like, because I'm a good customer. <laughs> Because I've been, I was like, how much money I paid them, like, over the last, like, 10 years I've been a customer. I was like, it's nothing to them. Of course they're going to take it off my bill. And he's just like, like, he can't, like, things like that, like, blow his mind, you know? Or, like, sending back a dish because, like, the food isn't right. Oh, my God. He he won't do it. And I'm just like, no, I'm not paying for that. Like, I have this, like, surreal, like, entitlement about stuff. So it's funny because in that sort of thing, we're reversed. But he also does have freedom. But it's more things like, you know, we'll talk about, like, when I was in college, for instance, like, I didn't really party. Oh, interesting. When I was in college, oh, I studied. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I studied, I worked, yeah. I I was... Um, what college did you go to? I went to Syracuse. Yeah, I mean, it's cold there. <laughs> so, and it was all you were going to do is drink or, and hang but, out at, at... But people... But it's a party school, right? Yeah, so that's what a lot of people school. do. And so he's just like... Because he partied, you know, and he's, he's like a PhD, he's a biologist, he's a scientist, yeah. whatever. He was fine. He was able to balance all that, but he's like, you know, in Australia, he likes to drink, he likes to party and all this stuff. And he's like, to me, he's like, I can't believe you like, like, he's almost like sad for me that I didn't like yeah. spend all of college getting drunk like yeah. he did. And I was like, you're a white man. Yeah. Like, I, I can't, I can't be... I can't be a black woman in school partying and getting drunk all the time. Yeah. That's like, that's not an option for me. No. You <laughs> like, have to make use of your time I was there. Like, I'm like, that's not an option. So I think things like that, he's like, I'm like, you had the freedom to like, you could do that. You could fuck yeah. up. You could get be yeah. a drunken idiot and yeah. have all these funny stories about all your drunken idiot, yes. ex, you know, exactly. escapades. I couldn't have done that. No, not at all. The way that I would have harder. been perceived mm-hmm. if I had done that yes. is not an option for me. Exactly. You know? So exactly. I think it's things like that that he, but he's getting it now. <laughs> well, I think it's like he has an excuse. He was in Australia and Australia is just different. 
They have crazy insects I don't like looking at. <laughs> they, do. they let anything go. They don't care if a crocodile walks in your house. They're weird about that. They're, I mean, I'm weird about it. They're cool with it. Um, no, I just noticed those things because, but he doesn't notice them because I tell him all the time that like black people in the South are different than white black people on the West Coast. Oh yeah, for sure. I yeah. said there My mom's a, family's from the South. So you yeah. understand. Yeah. Like I said, there's a different level of interaction he's like no that's not true and i was like no it is true i said i've been going to the south my whole life i see the way black people interact if they interact at all with white people and the way it's been set up is it's in service of like they Mm. wait till you leave to talk all kinds of shit about you Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but in front of you (laughs) you know what i mean like they you know it's like in service of and i said in in the west coast i think the best interpretation of black people on the west coast are like the black panthers or like an ice cube and an easy like these are the times we grew we were sick and tired of the shit Mm -hmm. and that's why a lot of black people moved to the west coast they wanted some independence they wanted to get out of it freedom want to have freedom Mm -hmm. abject freedom a a natural joy just to be able to live their lives without being uh, oppressed Mm -hmm. and it's an oppressive state to live over there when i went to north carolina felt oppressed yeah oh i hate going my mom's family's from alabama oh god i hate going there I hate it. I hate it. No it's, offense to anybody who's listening in Alabama. No offense. But it's just, to me, I'm like, uh, just, it's, yeah, it's not comfortable for me. It's not comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, I was just in Mississippi with, for my podcast, Waiting to Exhale. And, you know, I had all these preconceived notions, even though I've been there before, but I don't know what the climate is because for all intents and purposes, the woman who's your senator is a goddamn racist and like wants to people see people hung and to this day in the town square. And, you know, I don't like being around that energy mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I don't want my people around that energy, but I also feel like I grew up in San Francisco and I grew up in a town where diversity and inclusivity was just what we were. Mm-hmm. So when people have these preconceived notions it's annoying he doesn't have any of that but he was i think he's very startled by the, how much i don't trust white people mm, interesting he's very surprised by yeah. that and mm-hmm. i was like it's not about you babe yeah it's about <laughs> the general distrust yeah. of white people i'm like look at your situation i was like his first marriage you were put up it was you against this entire family of people on his ex-wife's side of the family mm-hmm. and i was like it was only and you're out here by yourself with no allies. Mm-hmm. You have no friends. She has your son. She has a huge family. They all think that you're this, that, and the other. I was like, I just, I said, this just not, it's not something. I think the reason why we we clung to each other so hard is because just like the alienation that he felt. And a, a something that I'm, I'm hearing from a lot of women who aren't black is that a lot of my white girlfriends and non-white girlfriends, but not black, are saying like, ever since Trump, ever since the awakening, the opening, I'm just learning more and more how much I need black women in my lives, mm-hmm. in our lives, because... I can't trust white women and I can't trust I get this truth from a black woman before I get it from a white woman and I was like that's I mean maybe y'all are just waking up to just like what's who really the true queens of this earth (laughs) it's been this way forever distant shoot you know gone with the wind butterfly McQueen like you know she wasn't just a mammy she was the confidant she took care of everything Mm. she was the one you could trust I said that wasn't just like a movie that's the way that was a dynamic it's a dynamic for a long time. It's how we've always been. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. Oh my gosh. Uh, this is amazing. I have one more question for please, you. Please, please. Sorry, <laughs> I know I'm talking. I'm so loquacious. No, I know. That's why I'm like, listen, girl, we need to get you a podcast. This is called Winter. I know. I know. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, so uh, if you had a megaphone mm. that was loud enough for the whole world to hear mm-hmm. and you could send out one message about love, what would that message be? Save it for the ones who deserve it. Protect it. Hold it super close to you. Don't share it with everybody. And protect the love that you give out. Protect it. I feel like love is so important and it's special, but you can't have love for everything. You can't have love for everyone. So you really have to be so sure about who you're going to put your love into. Mm-hmm. Be specific about who you put your love into and how much. Even to this day with my husband, I put in all my love and he has like a vat of it. But like, 
he needs to hold on to that love. <laughs> he can't drip. He can't let one drip fall out because he needs to hold on to it and protect it and make it precious. And I feel like that's the way you should treat love, mm. especially with someone that you're in a relationship with. You know, don't you can't forgive people for every time they repeatedly do something. You can't, you know, smooth things over just with love because love conquers all. It does all those things, but you need to make sure that it's protected and you protect the love that's given to you. I love that. Thank you, Winter. Welcome. This has been amazing. You're this wonderful. Been, you are. Thank you for this. This uh, has been very a, a great way to end the week for me. Oh, good. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're the best. You're the best. Thank you. And there you have it. My conversation with Winter Mitchell Rohrbach. I told you that story is crazy, right? Like, that should not have had a happy ending. It just goes to show you that sometimes when... A relationship is meant to be it will be despite the odds if you have the patience and I wouldn't generally encourage anyone <laughs> to hang in there the way that winter did but you know listen it worked out for her and and that is a beautiful beautiful thing please be sure to check the show notes for links to all of winter's social media and to her podcast and much more including all of the links to stay in touch with me <laughs> yes I am at dear Franny on all social media Instagram Twitter, Facebook, all the places. And the podcast is at Dear Franny Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And yes, I did that on purpose to make my life even easier. So I really, really, really appreciate you. For those of you who have taken the time to rate and review the podcast, thank you so very much. I appreciate you. For those of you who are listening from all around the world, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And those of you who are listening right here in the US of A, I appreciate you too. I appreciate you all. So thank you. I don't take it for granted that your time is precious and you have spent a bit of it with me today. So with all of my gratitude, have a beautiful day wherever you are in the world. Till next time.